Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCAST is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts, on the socials at nomcastpod, and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. Host of Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise. A podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every Friday, we choose a new craft beer from a different brewery and talk about... The history of the beer. What's in it. How it was made. The history of the brewery. Along with tasting notes and more fun facts. After that, come chill with us as we bring you the latest in pop culture news and reviews. So check out Crackin' One Open, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Forgotten Cinema is now looking for a new co-host to join myself, Mike Field, because Mike Butler's a bitch. Creepy Revenge is coming. This is my town. Oh, no, Which is, I would love you, to do a James Bond. I'll, I'll do it right now. Cancel the other podcast. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what about all these women? These are all women, beautiful women. Where are the regular women? <laughs> it's like it's Los Angeles. Is this the movie that's going to end the show? It's going to end the podcast? Because <laughs> this movie, like, I cannot, I cannot tell people to watch this movie. Like, I will not. This movie is not good. You get the hell off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take it to the limit one more time. Hello, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast, Season 9, The Season of Summer. Each episode this season, we're highlighting a film that had a coveted summer release date, but for a variety of reasons was forgotten or straight up ignored by audiences. Whether it was because it was pitted against a tentpole film or it was given a limited release run to fill out a studio schedule. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 100 episodes for your listening pleasure. Nice. Too many. Too many episodes. Not enough episodes. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? Nothing. You know, my car broke down. I don't know what happened. Whoa. uh... (laughs) Segway. So today we're doing the 1997 thriller slash crime. I don't crime is a little bit of a stretch there. Breakdown. Uh, so on their, I'm gonna, let me let you know what it's about real quick. On their cross country drive, a married couple, Jeff and Amy Taylor, experience car trouble after an accident, stranded in the New Mexico desert. The two catch a break when a passing truck driver, Red Bar, offers to drive Amy to a nearby cafe to call for help. Meanwhile. Jeff is able to fix the car and make his way to the cafe only to find his wife missing and Barr claiming ignorance. Jeff then begins a frenzied search for Amy. This is Breakdown. Cue Tantrix Breakdown. I know the breakdown. Everything is gonna shake now someday. I know the breakdown. Tell me again, am I awake now, baby? You can find the reason that no one else is living this way. <laughs> uh so you had never seen this movie right i no, i've i think i've heard of it but okay. i really have never seen it i i saw this movie in the theater so um i'm gonna tell you right now i actually enjoyed this movie when i watched it in the theater i'm surprised uh, i never this seems like a movie my parents would have rented like on a friday it, night it, i don't understand why i haven't seen this. well it is only 93 minutes long so it is a nice like movie night kind of movie exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So Breakdown, as I said, has a runtime of 93 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of $36 million. Was released on May 2nd, 1997. That is the beginning of the summer season, everybody. That is why that counts. Oh, now it is March. It's now, is it March? I liked in the newest Simpsons episode, which is now a really old Simpsons episode with J.J. Abrams. Okay. I just watched it yesterday. J.J. Abrams talked about early season's new movie on the new 4th of July, March 30th. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that seems about right. Uh, opening weekend, it did $12 million. Domestic, 50. Worldwide, 50. So it uh, made back its budget and some more. Production company was Dino De Laurentiis Company and Spelling Films and was distributed by Paramount Pictures. So on the 2nd of May in 1997, it went up against... Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. So you know why it didn't do well and it's so opening weekend. <laughs> uh, also came up against Warriors of Virtue and also in a limited release, Truth or Consequences, uh, New Mexico or NM and the movie Ripe. Uh, the week after May 9th, you had The Fifth Element, Father's Day in a limited release, Nowhere, the Gregor Rocky film. And then on April 25th, uh, which was the week before, you had Volcano. Look, everybody's the same. And <laughs> Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, which is a movie we did uh, probably last season. Last right? season, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then the limited release, Shiloh. So it's, uh, it, it got, Austin Powers pretty much destroyed everybody. Um, I think that's what we talked about during the Romy yeah. and Michelle thing. Too. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's, those movies sounded familiar. You obviously listened to Romy and Michelle. So this one was directed by Jonathan Mostow, a Connecticut native. Uh, he is known for U571, another good movie, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, and The Hunter's Prayer more recently. He also has a story credit and screenplay credit for this movie. Uh, he's done the story for House at the End of the Street and the 1985 an episode, I believe, for the 1985 show of Fright Show. I yes, that was right. his yeah. first thing. Yeah. Plus, he did. He wrote U five seven one as his other. Uh, that no, he wrote that. Yeah, yeah, no, a lot of the. I don't think Terminator. He wrote. He did not. He no, just directed. A lot he, of the stuff that he's done, yeah. he's written. Agreed. Uh, this also has a second screenplay credit for Sam Montgomery, who has done more notably the TV show Twenty Four, uh, Unforgettable is also a TV show, and U five seven one, like we just said. Cinematography by Douglas Milson, who was a lighting cameraman for Full Metal Jacket. He also was a cinematographer for If Looks Good Kill, the Richard Grieco movie. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Body of Evidence. Uh, the uh, William Defoe and uh, Madonna uh, Skinamax movie. Have you ever yes. seen that? No. I remember. I remember <laughs> watching like, oh, I'm see Madonna. Oh, it's like this like big sexual movie. Oh my god! And then, like it's just William Defoe getting wax all over his chest. And I'm just like, what is this? A <laughs> <laughs> composer was Basil Polidorus. He has done RoboCop, Hunt yeah. for October, and Conan the Barbarian. He passed away in 2006. Edited by Derek Bretchen and Kevin Stitt. Bretchen has passed away actually in 2009, but he has edited Stargate, the movie, not the TV show, Cutthroat Island, and Deep Blue Sea. Kevin Stitt has done Nick of Time, Executive Decision, Payback, X-Men, and the movie 42, amongst others. Uh, produced by Dino De Laurentiis and Martha De Laurentiis. Uh, Mr. De Laurentiis had won an Oscar for producing the uh, movie La Strada, which was one best uh, foreign film, I believe. I uh, also saw Dune, Flash Gordon, Firestar. He's done a lot. Uh, Martha has done Hannibal, the TV show. Well done. Ooh. Maximum Drive and Red Dragon. The the Brett Ratner Red Dragon one, the, uh, the, the one the camera oh, finds. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I know. But the Hannibal, the TV show, we're all, we're all on board with that. Yes. So we're good. <laughs> so you had Kurt Russell as Jeff, the uh, the husband, if you will. He is, I don't know, for those who don't know who Kurt Russell is. He is in The Thing, Escape from New York, Backdraft, Captain Ron, uh, to name a few. Uh, J.T. Walsh as Red Bar. Uh, he is in Pleasantville, Sling Blade, Needful Things. Uh, I recommend the extended director's cut of Needful Things to the uh, TV version uh, because it's much better. 
And he was also in what movie do we cover with him in? Uh, the Negotiator, Red Rock West, and The Last Seduction. Wow, he's big, been. We've done a lot of JT Walsh. <laughs> big time JT Walsh fans over here. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen Quinlan is Amy. Uh, that is the wife that is kidnapped in this movie. She was nominated for an Oscar for her role in Apollo 13. She's also in The Doors and the 2006 version of The Hills Have Eyes. MC Ganey is Earl. Uh, you may recognize him from Dukes of Hazard, the 2005 Dukes of Hazard movie. He's also in Con Air and Leap of Faith. Jack Noseworthy as Billy. Uh, we covered a movie that Jack Noseworthy was in already, The Trigger Effect. Uh, he also did Event Horizon and the movie Surrogates. I believe Surrogates was also a... That's a Mostow directed movie. Yes, yes. Uh, Rex Lynn as Sheriff Boyd. You may know him from the TV show CSI Miami or one season of Better Call Saul, I believe. He's also in Django Unchained. And then finally, you just had a small credit for Jack McGee, who's the bartender. If you look familiar, you've seen him in Moneyball, Backdraft, and The Fighter. Uh, he's in a lot of... He, he have, He's in a lot of like he's a cop or he's a firefighter or something like that. He's an Irish Boston guy. In yeah. Everything you've seen. Yeah. Yeah. The fighter gets, doesn't get much uh, Boston-y than that. Oh, yeah. No, the fighter is the yeah. like that or uh, what's the Scorsese movie? Oh, The Departed. The Departed. That yeah. or The Departed are pretty much as uh, Boston as you get. Yes. Yes. All right. So, uh, like I said, I had seen this movie already and I already look upon it favorably. Uh, Butler has not seen it. So now we will find out. I will find out along with you. <laughs> what Mr. Butler thought of this movie. M Mike, take it away. What do you think I thought of this movie? I think you liked it. I did like it. <laughs> <laughs> usually, usually before we start, you have a couple cracks here and there if you didn't like a movie. And I actually like the fact that I don't. I, I, that I don't tell you. Well, late, well, no, lately, the last two movies we've done, and then probably more recently, I like us not talking about the movie until we right. sit down. That's because, why I haven't mentioned anything because like Group Eight was fun that you didn't know what I thought about it right, and stuff like that. It's right. more fun, I think, it's when better. you get the reaction yes, right away. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what's I guess, I guess what was your biggest thing about it, or what you like the most? Or Here's I don't know. What I like the most. So many of my notes are all caps, yelling at Kurt Russell <laughs> for his decisions in the movie, or like cheering him on. Like, this is not a good place, leave. <laughs> or never let your wife in with the trucker or hit him, Kurt. Hit him. Hit him good. I, I, my, one of my favorite lines in the movie when, uh, when he's got Earl in the truck and he's like, fuck you. He's like, no, fuck you. And he hits him with a gun. Yes. And then when he, and then at the end, when he, when JT Walsh, uh, Red tries to talk, he's like, you better. And he just kicks him in the face. Oh, like, yep. I'm like, yes, shut up. <laughs> so, yeah. But so, so go ahead and tell me what you liked. Uh, I enjoyed that it, it, really is pretty quick like you get a little bit of kurt with his wife and then it just immediately she's lost jeff is panicky he doesn't know what's going on and then pretty quickly it becomes where's my wife this uh, jt walsh's character red doesn't pretend he's somebody else which is you know? which is so it's just like out of it's funny because i'm trying to like you think about movies like these movies that's never the tactic that's taken no it's such an interesting yeah. and creepy and just Holy crap. Straight Dad, up denies like just, it. He just, yeah. No, that was me. Nope. And what's the cop going to say? Like, there's really no, and I'm like, I can't to say the cop was bad or he's not doing it. He checked the truck. He did not believe Kurt Russell, but like, at what point do you go? All right, I got to let him go. Cause he's saying it's not, and there's no evidence. Right. And you're just, you're just watching the screen with like, no, <laughs> this is the same dude. <laughs> like the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, is this just a creepy tactic or does he have a twin? I was like, no, cause he's wearing the exact same freaking clothes. He's just lying. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, Oh, that's such like an interesting twist. And it's it, so creepy. Yeah. They, they, I mean, you, I mean, I guess if you wanted to get nitpicky, you could sit there when he's in the sheriff's office or in the stair stations, he was looking at the board and got all the missing people. You would right. think that the sheriff would be clued into the fact that a lot of people go missing, but 
you know, I, I think you can take, you can go the other route and be like, a lot of people do go missing when, on the stretch, but you know, it's very difficult to figure out why. I mean, it's very terrifying to drive and there's nothing around you, but desert. Oh no, like, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like what happens if your car does go down, goes, does break down? It's just, it's very, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, maybe because we don't experience that we've never really driven well, like I, that. I drive down to Florida each time. And so like some of the stuff, like Elise plays it pretty, pretty fast and loose when we go to like some of the creepier gas stations and I'm like, get in the car, get in the freaking car. <laughs> I want to stretch my legs. You can stretch your legs when we get to a gas station that has lights and it's daylight. Get the fuck back in the car. This is not for you to be. <laughs> I will go get the gas. They aren't going to kidnap me. Get back in the yeah. car. So the whole time I'm watching this, that's all I'm thinking of is the trips down to Florida where Elise is like, everything's fine. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. Because <laughs> this is the exact situation that I'm waiting for. Like, stop. <laughs> but uh, now we have we have cell phones that work now. True, but I don't know. Like, again, I don't know what the signal is like out there. Like, uh, yeah. Maybe in the middle of the desert, you're, you're seeing like cell phone towers every every about 20 feet or something like that. Maybe I don't nowadays, know. Yeah, who, knows? who knows? But, but it's just, it's still, it's still really really scary um like i i think what adds to this movie and and i'm gonna bring it up because i don't think it gets brought up enough and i think i've i've said this before about kurt russell is that he's always good in everything he's in oh absolutely and there's never i've never watched a movie where even if it's not a good movie where i've had a problem with kurt russell and his performance he is just always there's such a great ease with his acting and especially in this movie like it's there's like there's no issue like you immediately root for jeff he's not you know what i mean oh right yeah he's not he doesn't play it ridiculous he doesn't play it he's not an action star character although he can be an action star but he can also play an everyman which i think is really interesting because he's a child actor and a lot of child actors always seem like they can never play the everyman character where it's very rare that you believe that they're an everyman. And I think he does it very well. Well, I don't know too much about, I, I know that he's a child actor. I don't know too right. much about his upbringing. Like, like I, like I would look that up, but oh, like, what you know, parents, like, well, like a lot of child actors grow up in Hollywood. Wealthy. And that, yeah. And, and like, it, not that is a, real world. yeah. And that's not, you know, that's not a real world existence. I'm, I, I'm sorry, but it's not, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to throw that out there. I mean, it doesn't mean you're bad people, but you are living in a weirdo, weirdo bubble world that yes. does not exist anywhere else in this life. <laughs> and some people get, you know, they don't know how to, how the quote unquote real world is. Don't know how yes. to like cut your grass or take, you know what I mean? Like, you know, do stuff that every, well, we all have to worry about. Yeah. But he is somebody that when you watch me, you're just like, I can absolutely believe that he, this, like I'd be driving down my street and he's doing work on his house or something like that. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like you can buy that. But then I can also believe him like as uh see tango or cash. I can never remember. Oh, you're killing me. I don't remember either. <laughs> I think he's cash. No. You know what? I'm looking this up because I don't want some people yelling at me. Now he might be Tango because Cash would be Sylvester Stallone because he's rich, right? That's why they call them Cash. I'd uh, be really on the nose, but that. Oh, he is Cash. Yes, he's Gabe Cash. He's Stallone cash. is Ray Tango. All right, that makes more sense. I guess so. The rich guy's not. <laughs> uh, but so when he's he's Cash, you totally believe him as that character. You believe him as the Universal Soldier. You sure. believe him in these more action-packed, like hero roles. But you also believe him as you believe him as Santa Claus. He's any role you give Christmas him, like, yeah, he's really good at Santa. Well, um, to your point about Universal Soldier, Universal Soldier could have easily been a really well, basically, Universal Soldier, the first one, could be like what all the other sequels are after it. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's not because he's really good in it. And I think he elevates the writing, he elevates the story. And he's probably the reason why there were three or four sequels of the Universal Soldier after mm -hmm. the fact. For because sure. the first one did so well. Uh so, you know. 
one of the things in this movie that I'm curious if not to jump off the we all love Kurt Russell bandwagon, <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious if if you kind of felt this, too. There's no internal conflict in this movie in terms of the character of the protagonist and Jeff, where we meet him and he's meek. He can't he he you know backs away because he really doesn't back away from uh, Earl's character when Earl's like, we would all do the same thing. Hey, man, I don't want any problems, whatever. Exactly. He's right. making rational decisions. Right. And so but so the the plot is extremely just it's all external. It's all happening to him. Right. And that is that is one way to tell a story. But it's also when you 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 know, when you tell a story that way, you run the risk of telling a empty story. And maybe because it's 90 minutes long, it, it, like how did that did that affect you in any way? Did you need to know more about Jeff and his like? if he needed to have an internal struggle or an internal conflict. No, okay. I, I, the movie moves. I like that him and his wife get along. They're not like, they're like every couple, like they had a, like a little small argument, but it wasn't a big argument. And for the most part, they were happy up until she like disappeared. Yeah. I don't need all this different mumbo jumbo. I don't need anything. This movie is about what this movie is getting right. your wife and the fear of losing her and, and getting kidnapped and being out in the, you know, it could happen to you kind of a thing. The only thing I was curious about what his job was, which I guess they do had they had, they had a script a, and they took it out. He's a wartime photographer. Right. So, yeah, the original opening actually had the character of Jeff in uh, some war torn area and he was a photographer and he he causes the death of a woman. Or he blames himself for the death of a woman. And that's why he quits. He quits the job freelancing. And, and, and that's why he's taking this new job traveling to San Diego. So that's that was the opening original opening of the movie. It doesn't fit because no, not at all. Yeah. It makes him less of an everyman. Yes. Agreed. Like, you know, you just need to know that they're, they're on a trip, you know, he's moving to San Diego. Exactly. That's, that's all you need to know. Uh, in terms of this movie, these people are just, these are, you know, like I said, everyday people taking a trip and they get caught up with this, with this group of people. Now, originally I didn't realize when I, or I didn't remember when I first watched this movie that, the intent of red was to get Jeff in the cab with them. So they can go on both. Right. I didn't realize that. I just thought they took his wife. I totally kind of forgot or blacked out the subplot of, we, you know, we're, we steal their car. We steal their money. We steal, you know, like that's all we do. Oh yeah. I just kind of, I didn't even dawn on me. Well, even, even the way I was looking at it was they were looking at kidnapping women. Right. So when red takes, takes her, I'm like, all right, they want, the wife obviously for like they're gonna ransom her ransom her right. and sell her or whatever yeah. yeah but when he does ask isn't your husband coming like i was like well that's dumb you run the risk of what if he convinces him to come but then later on well, yeah when you learn it's not the people they want it's the stuff right then it's like oh okay but begs the question why do you leave like so at the end of the movie he gets into the barn and all the people's stuff is still there like what are you doing with this so i wanted to ask you eBay. i wanted to ask you this about red once you kind of pull, like at some point in all these type of movies, when you have a character that's the bad guy or the baddie, and you don't really know a lot about them, once you kind of pull that curtain beside, and then you you kind of see who they really are, do you think that do you think there needs to be a level of like, there's no way Jeff can overcome that? Because Red is not really a character. Once you meet him, that you really are that fearful that Jeff will not get out of this. Because you know what I mean. It's what we talk about. We joked about how he kicks him in the face, and right, you know, he he they're in the the kitchen and he, and he comes in with the gun and I got the impression that red is not as it's not a well 
thought out, put together, I guess, syndicate, if you will, or a group of bad guys. It's just kind of like oh, a bunch of truckers who had an idea. And, right. Right. Yeah, did, did you well. did you did that bother you at all? Did you that kind of. No, it, it works better because I, if they become a, like this weird, crazy syndicate again, it, it heightens your your world mm-hmm. into a different kind of genre or not genre, but a different kind. It's not as it can happen to you. Because that's their whole tagline is it can happen to you. And Why are you saying it being, like you're saying it like Keanu Reeves? I'm trying to say it. <laughs> oh, it's the 90s. Okay, that's fine. But if you keep them as truckers and you just keep them as everyday guys who are just doing this terrible thing, even if they are a little idiot, they're, they're idiots about it. They're still dangerous idiots. Especially the really big guy that, that I guess is just charged. No, no, oh, no. Earl. Oh, the big. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's charged with just driving the ice box truck around to put the car in. Yeah. But I'm wondering like what happens to the car. Like I notice all the license plates when they go up top. Yeah. When he goes to the barn, he notices all the license plates, but I'm curious what they do with the car. Like, Bring them out, put them in the desert. Who I knows? Yes. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious what happens there. There's a, I had a, a lot of questions in terms of, Oh, what is this operation? Like what really happens this operation? I think you're overthinking. No, that. no, no, no. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not saying that that bothers me in any right. way. I, I like the movie the way it is. And I'm just, just questions pop up. Just like, I'm just curious as to like how long they've been doing it. How is the wife this oblivious to the fact that they've been doing this? Oh uh, yeah. Wife. That, yeah. 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 Stuff like that. That's all. One of the other things that I had not really remembered was the stunt work. So especially when Jeff's character runs underneath the truck and has to climb on the outside oh, he of the Indiana truck. Jones is it? Yeah. Right. That's pretty good. No, that is good. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that, you know, the gun gets lost. It just falls out of his yeah. back because yeah. so often that gun is like magical once you put it in your back pocket, like it's never going to fall out. Right, right, right. Uh, but his does when he, you know, his feet start touching the ground. That's definitely a stuntman's feet like yep. dragging on the gun, the ground. And that truck's going pretty fast. Uh, the other thing I like is when we pull up to the barn on the truck, you don't see Kurt Russell anymore, even though he's sitting in the back of the truck when you last see him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, man, that's editing mistake, man. They couldn't just put a stunt guy in there. And then you find out he's in the horn of the the top of the truck. And I'm like, all right, all right. Good, <laughs> good, 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 good. I wonder if that was added because they were like, shit, we don't have him. Well, he at some point he'd have to get up there because there's no hide, way. Yeah. yeah, there's no way that he can sit right behind the cab and not get noticed yeah yeah i mean yeah that's the first thing i thought of like someone's gonna see him <laughs> <laughs> the one thing i well you know we were, we were talking about like how the wife was oblivious i don't know if i liked adding red's family to it. i don't know if that added much to it other than the, maybe the tension in the kitchen at that one point yeah I, I think that gets solved pretty quick i i mean you you have to go if you can go the other route where it's just red by himself but then that calls attention to the red character in terms of how come everyone doesn't else notice that this guy's a creepo kind oh, of thing. I think family he, kind yeah, of it's like a family man type thing. So I, I don't, you know, I think, I think it's fine. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, but I think it, that's fine. And we're talking, yeah, we're talking about red's family. Uh, the original script actually had red talking to Amy at the gas station in the beginning. And then if you notice that when they're at the gas station, the trucks in the background. Yep. My question to that was, I never still understood how they unhooked the stuff underneath the Jeep, how the Jeep kind of craps out towards the end. Right. And they pull all the wires and, you know, red says, you really shouldn't leave your hood open. hood open while you're in the, in the convenience store. But you never saw that. You only saw Jeff with the oil. You never saw him in the gas station. Right. And then Amy comes out and has all the supplies. So right. you what know, did he do in there? Yeah, exactly. And he says like, what'd you get? Like you were in there with, so 
okay, it's fine, whatever. But th- that is one little thing that, you know. The wires were also underneath the car, not yeah, in the hood. I know. So he had no yeah. reason to keep the hood open to begin with. And, and I mean, I we could have, if we really wanted to get deep into it, maybe we could look at, like, can you do that to a Jeep? Uh, you know, like, can, can, is it a Jeep? What are they driving? Like it's a, a Cherokee? It looks like Cherokee? a Jeep yeah. Cherokee, yeah. yeah. Can you really do that? Are the wires really just under there that you pull apart? But I don't cares? think so. Yeah, who cares? That, those wires are underneath the carriage. <laughs> One bad speed bump or a couple of rocks, and all of a sudden you're cutting those wires out. Yeah. Those wires are absolutely inside. The one thing I did like about the Jeep Grand Cherokee is the hood had the light on it. I've never seen that before. Oh, car. really? Yeah. Oh, okay. You didn't know it was like cut out of the hood. The little uh, cloth on the top of the hood had a light coming down so you could see. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I did notice also about the Jeep Grand Cherokee is uh, oh, it's a Jeep Grand Cherokee, 1996 Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo uh, ZJ. What's funny is that uh, when we do all these movies, any movie, yep. especially with the movie, a lot of movies with guns in, uh, and I look up the notes on like, I'll look up them on IMDb Pro or Wikipedia or wherever I can find them. But like on IMDb Pro, there's some kind of people like really telling me what style of gun people use or what car they're driving. Like I could care less. Like it's like, oh, it's the model four, four. I'm like, oh, and like, I don't understand that. The predilection to that red truck is a peter built 370 yeah exactly okay okay it's a truck it's a giant truck well the thing with the jeep grand cherokee laredo is when jeff's running away from earl in the scene at the uh, quarry it really seems like an advertisement for the jeep grand cherokee <laughs> i'm like it goes down the hill it goes up it goes all the well, way down it doesn't the make the, it doesn't last the water though that's what as soon as it hit the water i had a note if you want a real off-road experience go jeep grand cherokee it'll get you where you want to go <laughs> it's I, like a whole thing and it hits the water i'm like uh, my next note is tell me it's a boat now tell me it's amphibious and then it crashes against the rocks and sinks and i was like oh thank god i got worried that <laughs> i got worried that it was and then i started looking for the exhaust pipe to be up the top. <laughs> but i was like okay no we're good we're i was good. like waiting for it to hit the shore and him start driving off again and i was like no no freaking way come on <laughs> you know i've been rambling on enough let's uh let's stop take okay. a pause yep Listen right. to some sponsors, and I'm going to drink some coffee while our sponsors start up. All right. All right. I'll do it. Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Baxter blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. The past year, we have all been glued to our devices more than ever. I know I have. At work, I'm staring at a computer screen. I come home, I either play a video game or I'm working on podcasts where I'm staring at more screens. Our exposure to digital light has soared, and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also a force for good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age, and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in our show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you have been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters, and we know that you will feel the difference. Do you like the donuts? I kind of like the donut thing. Oh, the 90 million. Well, I, the, it's what you got 90,000. Yeah. You're some donut king. Yeah. Which knows. is, no, it's, I think that's good. That works. That clever, yeah. yeah and, they, and they have the donut package at the end floating in the water, but that's like a quick two, three lines. And it's done in a way where you don't really expect that to be a plot device later. Right. On, yeah. You know what I mean? So no, no, no. I, I think that, but that also tells you that these two are not, these two are smart. They both think on their feet. Right. Even though Amy, Kathleen Quinlan's character, Amy doesn't really do a lot much in this movie except hide. But, but you know, whatever. But, you know, she's kidnapped. I know. I yeah. get it. I get it. I'm, I'm, I mean, she kills Red. Uh, that's <laughs> true. I love that. Yeah. That, I, I always love that. 
Because it's just like, so go ahead. Why don't you just tell what the. Well, at the end of the movie. uh, Spoiler alert. (laughs) Red has driven his truck, hang the dangle off the highway. Jeff and Red are fighting over it. And Jeff's able to kick Red onto the quarry or the rocks below in the lake. Well, he's he's hitting him with that chain. (laughs) With the chain. And I love that moment because he grabs a chain and Red's like, oh, and then he just pulls him over. The close up of uh, Kurt's eyes are just awesome. Just like, (laughs) fuck you, asshole. (laughs) I just like, oh, that's, that's such a great close up. Yeah. And he pulls Red down and he hits the rocks and they think he's dead. And then they show a shot of Red kind of like moving again, like, oh, he's not completely dead. Next shot is just uh, Kathleen Quinlan's character putting the truck in neutral and letting it go and just <laughs> smash Red till he's nothing. Yeah, that's I'm nice. just like, yes. That's the, I think that's the other thing I like about this movie is and I, and there isn't there is some hesitation uh, in terms of Jeff's character to you know whether he's going to commit uh you know kill somebody or hit somebody or hurt somebody there's some slightly but like once they take his wife and once he he needs to try to get her back and it's almost like you know screw this no i'm getting her i don't care how oh yeah i like that because that's that's the reaction that you all wish everyone else would have yes in terms you know what i mean you wish that if something happened you'd be able to act and and act swiftly and not really concern yourself with the morality i mean sure maybe it's a different movie uh, this, the sequel would be Breakdown 2 where, where he's in therapy and he has to you know, rectify the fact <laughs> of what he did. But because, you know, there is some questions like, does the cop die? If the cop, if the cop doesn't die. I don't think know, the cop's dying. I, it's just whatever, you know, because the <laughs> cop gets shot and he gets shot in the neck and then he leaves him there. Or he gets shot in the shoulder. Well, uh, and it's it through and through. Neck. No, it's like. Okay. Because uh, he was grabbing his neck. Ah, whatever. There was some issue. There was some concern whether he was going to survive. Uh, you got to save your wife first, first and foremost. The cops he doesn't know that, that, though. He has no idea about that. All he's coming up upon is Kurt beating the crap out of this guy in the car. No, I'm saying Kurt leaving the cop Oh, no, there. I got you. I mean, I, like, I I really don't think I'd have any hesitation. Like, I got what well, you'd like to think you'd hope you would. What? Right, 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 right. But that's the whole thing is he's not meek. If you have a meek, you have this loser character like... Uh, Kyle MacLachlan and Trigger Effect, and it Ooh, becomes there we go. <laughs> that becomes that becomes the movie. That now becomes your theme. That now becomes a. As soon as you put that in there, that becomes something for your protagonist to overcome, or something that's going to hinder your protagonist, like his own, like a mental at, uh, antagonist. He's his own antagonist as well. Well, I think the Trigger Effect deals with what we talked about, or what I pondered before the external conflict versus internal conflict like you just said yeah like that's that's the movie that's his it's about his character right. what when something when civilization goes down you know how do you respond i mean so and we both you we both you especially voiced your displeasure pleasure with kyle mclaughlin in that film in terms of his actions and, right right and his behaviors but in this movie i think this is what we want yes yeah they're, yeah. they're very similar movies and i think that jeff is the character that i think we wanted Kyle McLaughlin to be in the movie or Kyle McLaughlin to become. Right. You don't yes. think you, I can't picture Jeff's character going back to his house, sitting on his front porch and just like, Oh, sitting there like staring off at, you know, I can't picture that. Oh no, yeah. I picture him getting up like, all right, let's go. We're going to eat tonight. Yeah. That's exactly. right. I took care of business like that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, the movie had an, a different ending originally that yeah. added scene, which I'm, I'm glad they cut. Or well, I what? guess they're back at the bar and answering questions to the FBI. And uh, she just jokes, next time we're flying. Yeah. And then the movie cuts. And, and that's it, such a cheesy early 90s type like diehard ending. And it really doesn't fit with the movie. Because so no, there's, cause there's none of that stuff in the movie. Right. So yeah, it wouldn't have made sense. Like they're all laughing. Ah, and then freeze frames them laughing. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hands away, helicopter shot away, and everyone gets thin because it's been formatted as a screen. <laughs> <door>. <laughs> 
there are a couple of nice shots in this movie though um i like the although it kind of has this weird blurry jump to it the, the pan out at the end um when they're on the bridge holding each other yeah it's okay. nice but i also i really like the scene after jeff visits the bell's diner the second time and he's super confused and he's already checked the, the food slips mm-hmm. and he leaves and he's looking out and there's no one around and he's in the desert and it's a close on jeff and then it kind of pans out and i guess cranes up a little bit and it shows the palm the one palm tree in the diner and it just kind of slowly leaves jeff and the music of the diner slowly fades away into nothing and mm-hmm. all you hear is wind mm-hmm. i think that's a fantastic i love that shot for some reason I was like that's a great shot um, it really shows his desperation and the silence that's around him one of the shots i didn't like was when the cop is looking in the cab in the beginning when he pulls the cop over and says hey look in the cab look in the cab my wife he took my wife and then a cop goes in the cabin and turns to this POV handheld shot of him looking in the oh, cabin. Oh, yeah, as it goes And it's there. shaky as all heck. And I'm just like, why is this so shaky? Like, this is bad. Their film cameras were probably so big. It was probably, they probably didn't have any like yeah. handhelds or something smaller. So they're probably trying to use a huge camera and try to steady it as they. It was like, it wasn't like, it was, it wasn't like it was shaky in terms of like, you can tell like it was handheld shaky. It was right. shaky like somebody was deliberately shaking the camera like they did in saving private ryan when he they had the drill see i didn't notice it being that bad uh it was it it just it was out of place that maybe that's the best thing my best description it didn't look anything else like in the movie that shot that right handheld shot it looked completely different um which kind of was just like oh what was that but you know that's what it was (laughs) uh mc gainey who plays earl says this is the darkest character he's ever played in a film and he regretted it afterwards i saw that you don't you don't do anything dude i don't understand i mean well, I, you chose the character because why? Because you're a bad guy in the movie. I think it definitely. This movie definitely doesn't put uh, southern people in a great light. Well, I don't think they're southern. I think they're midwestern. Oh, well, Earl is definitely in midwestern. Earl, Earl plays him like this is New Mexico, full accent and everything. Though I don't know. Well, that might be his. I think that's his accent. No, I, he, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. from Missouri. I mean, yeah. he's 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 from the south. Uh, but I think maybe it just. Maybe he looked at it and went, I just seemed like a redneck. No, maybe he didn't like uh, that. nobody in that bar. Nobody in that diner or bar looked like they were nice at all. Like they looked like they no, even the anybody. old guy at the bar was like, I want to trick the bathroom. Yeah. What was I'll be with you in a second, hon. Like, what is this? Yeah. Like, ugh. is anybody nice here? No. Yeah. yeah. Don't go to New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> but Earl, no, Earl was uh, so he's got Texas plates on his truck. Well, he, uh, oh, well, okay. Yeah. But he's still in New Mexico. Yeah. That's good. Cause that confused me at one point. I was like, I thought they were in like, well, I think Mexico or Arizona or something. And they then... might have shot in Texas too. I'm not sure. I didn't mm-hmm. even look at that. I should have looked that up. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. That's a terrible, that's a terrible research and background for this. For this uh, I, I don't think you needed it, but okay. <laughs> I like to see when he's in the bank. Yep. And you don't know what he's going to do and he's panicking. And I don't think he knows what he's going to do. I thought that scene was really good. And he tries to tell the bank manager. Yeah. And then the other guy comes out. You're the guy I could talk to about a car loan. But he's not like he's worried that he's he doesn't know. He's spying because yeah. he thinks everybody, he's got eyes all over town. He, which is which Red is lying to him. Yep. Yep. And he's just like the bank manager wants to know what the rest of the thing is. And then he doesn't tell him. Yeah. And then he goes into the restroom. And you think, oh, he's going to rob the place. He's going to act like his gun. You don't know what he's going to do. Right. Did he use a letter opener? He does. He ends up using the letter opener to get Earl. During that whole scene, I was like, oh, he's robbing that bank. He's going to get into so much trouble. I thought that too, yeah. Yeah. But then, I I mean. He's pretty clever about the money wraps, too, because I was like, what the hell is he taking But then at some point, he'd be like, listen, can I get in all ones? Like They're probably like, what? Yeah. (laughs) 
you gonna clear out you know because we work at the uh at the theater sometimes you have to go get changed they're not giving them that many ones no i know they're <laughs> a bank Christ. rate small yeah they get That's... mad they get mad when we we want like just 100 ones exactly yeah you five thousand in singles that is all you gotta warn singles. us next time so we can have it here yeah shut up <laughs> banks don't got a lot of cash <laughs> well this is 97 though so maybe those those have changed to now well yeah but i'm also thinking it's a small town bank too true it is a t- like when he looks over the town and it, like you look down, it's just like Jesus. That's it. You'll like, ever find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Uh, it's like a Tatooine town. It's like <laughs> nothing around it. It's like the roads go through the town. You got to wonder why the hell is there a town there? Do you like when Jeff stumbles upon Red on the phone at the truck stop? He goes there because he's trying to find Red. He's trying to find the truck, oh, okay, yep. and then he just almost and Red's on the phone. Do you like that? Because that that is kind of like a whoa, lucky break here. He's got to find him either way for the story. Sure. So I mean, on the phone, not on the phone, it's fine. Do you like it like that? I prefer him bumping into him than being like, "Yes, I've got you now." Being more like happenstance, being like, "Oh shit, I almost, I almost messed it up." Right. Because that's more real person and less like James Bond spy. Okay. All right. The one thing I didn't like is he's real out of like the cops are all there and he's looking under trucks and being real suspicious. Yeah. I'd be like, excuse me, sir, uh, come on this way. <laughs> like well, he looks like he's waiting to rob But you don't know what the cops are looking for. Like, you don't know. They, I don't think they're yeah. looking for anything. I think they just happen. It's a big truck stop, so there's cops. Yeah, yeah. But I think he looks real suspicious looking under all those trucks and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he's pretty smart most of the movie. I think he should have played it cool and not looked under. What would looking under truck really do? Well, I mean, the whole movie is tense. Like, right. The whole movie, as soon as, they, as soon as he realizes that his wife's gone, you know, the whole movie just kind of like doesn't stop. It's cons- it's, you know, you're like, you're just like, oh, my God, you know, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's gonna happen? Right. So, the whole, you know, even and in the fact, when he thinks that his wife is dead, when they take her out of the uh, little compartment. Oh, in the freezer. And then yeah. She moves. Yeah. So, I mean, so the whole movie is extremely just kind of you're on not on the edge of the seat. But you are, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's a good way to say it. you're on the edge of your seat kind of trying to figure out, you know, along with him. Oh, yeah. Um, they yeah. could totally have the same. His wife could absolutely die in this movie. And it would fit kind of the genre of the film. Right. And just turn into a revenge film. And it would have totally fit. And so I think not knowing whether she's alive or dead really works. Like when she's all wrapped up. Right. Like, oh, I guess she's dead. That's like, they wouldn't kill her. And then you're thinking, oh, would they? Because then it becomes a revenge thing. Well, oh, they might. They've killed them. They've killed before. All those people. Oh, I know. But she's yeah. like, I mean, movie wise, it's like, would they oh, right, kill his gotcha. character's wife? And it's like, but Maybe. then that, and that, see, that fit, and that also begs the question that like, okay, so what do they do with all these people that they kill? Like, where do they go? Well, they're in the middle of nowhere. They just bury them in the barn. But then, see, that's the, the thing. Everyone's always missing. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, see, yeah. I'm wondering if the ending, when you said that the the ending that they're at the barn talking to the FBI, I wonder if they're like they've got graves dug up everywhere or something. Oh, like maybe that, you know? yeah. I mean, if they're stupid enough to leave all their belongings in and the license plates, yeah, especially. Yeah, yeah. You would think that maybe they're dumb enough to bury them there too. Yep. Did you know? Did you notice the scene when Red tells him uh, when they're looking down? He tells him to go to the bank, and Red says, "Do forty nine minutes, Jeff. Time to get the show on the road." That the movie is exactly forty nine minutes to the end from that point. I didn't know that until I read that note. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, interesting, interesting." I wonder if that's on purpose or was just a happy accident. Well, I think that I think that <laughs> if this movie's any longer, like 10, 15 minutes longer, I don't think we're probably looking favorably on the movie as much as we are now, because it needs. To, I think it needs to be a quick movie, and they get no, absolutely, it moves. Yeah. Nice. Um, 
you know, it's got good action at the end with the stunt work when they're the uh, the they're all in the cars and the trucks and the. I really like that you get that last chase scene. It's really cool, although the car does flip over and just explode That's for fine. no reason. Guys, <laughs> uh, like classic. <laughs> uh, and he doesn't pit maneuver anybody for a while, but then he does, and I'm like, oh fucking finally! Like, you're in a huge truck. Put your brake on and hit him in the trunk a little bit, and they'll yeah. all spin around. Yeah, it always makes me mad in movies when no one pit maneuvers anybody on a chase. Have you not watched any cop chases ever? <laughs> uh, but it does earn it earns that action scene at the end. It, there's no act look, real like action action. Obviously, there's the fuck you and the mash yeah, in his face, and yeah. there's no action until that last five minute set piece, and it earns it. And I like it a lot. And that yeah. you're talking from the start of when they leave the barn. When they leave the barn, and Red gets in his semi and starts plows through that plowing through everything. That double wide or whatever that trailer that who lives there? That's why Red's like man cave. Yeah. Or maybe Billy lives yeah, there. Yeah, like whose <laughs> truck was that that they took? Like, like there's no, but whatever. Okay, fine. We're, yeah. we're into at that point. We're invested. Like, hey, get out, get out anytime you can. Yeah. So we're invested there. So that that's fine. I also like that he doesn't forget about Billy. So often in those kind of films, you see him go, and you're like, oh, he's gone. But like his character is not stupid. So Kurt actually tells him, what, there's still one more out there. So often he would be like, oh, I forgot about this yeah. guy. And like he'll hold somebody hostage. Yeah. But he knew Billy was out there. I was, I was a little pissed. He didn't go hunting for Billy. Yeah. If he just waited for Billy to go back and save Red, he would have dealt with one person instead of five. And I think that goes back to not having, uh, a, not really concerning yourself with a character that's, that's struggling in and of itself, the internal conflict like we, I talked about. Right. I think that's, you know, no, he's smart. He, he's he got a good head on his shoulders. And maybe these guys underestimated that. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, was, for he, sure. Yeah. So he's just some city yokel. He's not right. going to, he's not a tough guy. Look, yeah. When Earl's telling him, well, you deserve it. Flashing your, with your Massachusetts plates and your fancy new car. It's like, yeah. All right. <laughs> you were asking for it. <laughs> you know, just because Kurt's not looking for a fight doesn't mean like he won't fight for something. Yeah. 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 Which is nice. Again, this is a character that you, when you watch it, this is how you hope that you would react in a situation like this. If, it, if hopefully if it ever, you know, unfortunately, if it ever happened to you, you know, it's, it's not like you're watching somebody struggle through it. You know right. what I mean? Should I do this? Should I hurt it, somebody? It would piss you off. It would yeah. definitely tick you off because at some point you're like, do something. You know what I mean? Like you have to stand up like something yeah. like that. And I think, and Let's be honest, like that kind of trope, maybe that 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 conflict, that internal conflict. I think we've seen it a lot more than we've seen something like this, maybe. And, yep. you know, and maybe because there's always that like, well, we got to do something. We got to give him something to do. We got to give him something to do. It's like you can do a movie like Breakdown and do it well. It, you know, you just have to make sure you, you, you know, you know what you're doing and, and, you know, you know, the story you're telling. Don't make your every man character an action hero. But right. You can still make him a man of action. Right. And not a man of trepidation and fear. Because I, I don't think I think most people for their fa- would fight for their family. You'd hope so. Would fail maybe. Yes. But fight for them. Right. Maybe be right. an idiot about it, but they would do something. And a lot of these type of stories actually probably more fall into the horror genre a little bit more. So to yeah. have this as a straight action thriller is a little bit also of a of of a difference maker in terms of the type of story you get usually you don't get this type of story unless it's like the hills have eyes or 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 a horror movie where you know you know you have you have unspeakable evil that you have to go up against well that's why when she was in the in the bags and the rags and they're like oh she's dead she suffocated i thought the movie was going to suddenly shift and i do like films when they suddenly shift in tone and you think it's one movie and it turns to something else but I did anticipate it becoming more of a horror revenge 
um, like a revenge horror movie, like Last House on the Left, as soon as that happened. Right. Which would have been cool too, but would have been a very different movie. Right. Right. And I think, you know, all the deaths of the quote unquote bad guys are really deaths that occur because they're in the pursuit of the good guys. Right. So you're not really like, it's never something deliberate with the exception of the end. But see, that moment is earned because it's like they've, they've gotten through all this stuff. It's like everybody in that audience is like, yeah, drop the truck on them. Like, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like they want that. So like that, so that kind of death where your pro where your protagonist straight up just murders somebody, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, that stuff is earned through something like this movie where you have gone along the ride with these people, right. with these protagonists and you want, you're just like, yes, please put the truck in neutral. Please drop it on this dude. <laughs> we're, we're tired of this guy already. He needs right. to go. Um, so I think that th that also is a, is, is well done. It's a, there's a, this movie is probably a big reason why Jonathan Mostow was able to move on and do a lot of like U571 and, and Terminator. That's absolutely how we got him, Terminator. Oh, uh, Well, Terminator was after U571, I believe. Right. But I mean, this one's got like the car chase and stuff. No, I get you. And I think oh, that's, that's like, kind of like, that's kind yeah. of like you earned, like a Terminator has to have a big car chase. Right, right. And like this has that. So it's like, all right, you know how to do that. So with the exception of this movie came up against Austin Powers and International Man of Mystery, why do you think this movie was forgotten? This is a straight up summer film, but why do you think this movie was forgotten? Well, I think it happens to be part of, um, and we're going to talk about it later on a different segment. Well, we can tease that. A, a large a large genre of film that runs a gamut. But like you said, I think it was mostly horror. And yeah. I think that that is why this is maybe forgotten. Because I think a lot of people that like these kind of films prefer it a little bit more horror oriented. True. And this is much more mystery thriller. Action. It's yeah. a, action yeah. toward the end, earned action. I think you're getting a little extra of a bump if you're if you kind of have horror elements, maybe, but I don't know necessarily that's gonna like it made fifty million dollars. So it's I wouldn't say that this is not a hit. Um, you know, and I'm curious what like DVD and home box office sales at this point are are, are like for this movie. Right. It's probably good. It's probably made a bunch on rentals and stuff. Well, like that. here's the thing, it was available. Like we could get it. It's on Paramount Plus, but yeah, you, you could rent it. <laughs> you could rent it other places, which shows you that it does have people do want to see it. And Kurt Russell probably plays well. Oh, absolutely. Well. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe also Kurt Russell's the reason it's forgotten. Really? Why? Kurt Russell's great. Yes. But I don't think he's given, and we've talked about it before, he is not giving anywhere near the amount of respect and credit that he's, er, he's, he's deserved. Right. I think in terms of action stars, he's kind of forgotten about sometimes. And it's like, he's fantastic. But the movie would have done better if these actors had portrayed him. Dennis Quaid, Bruce Willis, Mel Gibson. Richard Gere. Ed Harris was also up for the role of Jeff, but I don't think the movie would have done as well if it was Ed Harris. But I think Quaid, Willis, Gibson, or Gere, the movie would have done be fared better. I uh, see. Here's, here's I my, don't think it would have been better. Here's my problem with that. Willis and Gibson are larger than life, and I've already seen them in action films like Die Hard and uh, Lethal Weapon, right. where I would expect it out of them. You know, that, that I would, that, you know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's inherent to seeing them in other movies where I'm like, Oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna fuck some shit up. I would expect it. But they also are people, Gibson and Willis, especially, are people that have played regular people before and yeah, played but, them well, but not as well as maybe Kurt. But it doesn't matter. They're, I mean, I get what you're saying, but like Bruce Willis is in arguably the greatest action movie of all time. Kurt Russell has already been the Universal Soldier and uh, Cash at this point. But see that, but again, that goes to Kurt Russell's, as you agree, right? Goes to his ability as an actor where he can play this everyman. Like you can't. Oh sure. Can you see? Mel Gibson or Bruce Willis just playing an everyman dad in a movie without it being some kind of action movie or back in the day. Yes. What, now? what movie? No. 
Well, Mel Gibson had a string of movies like Forever Young, The Man with um, No Face, where he played like regular sympathetic people in dramas. It's not like he can't play regular people. I'm not saying he can't, but I'm saying like, okay, let's say Kurt Russell's in a movie that... Bruce Willis cut his teeth doing like comedy roles. And no, okay, then, then, uh, what I'm, then maybe I'm framing it the wrong way. I think also you're thinking of Bruce Willis in terms of uh, dead, dead Bruce Willis now. Cold, dead, soulless Bruce. Willis. No, 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 no. Because no. you got to look at Paycheck. Bruce Willis as two different Paycheck people. Paycheck Bruce. No. Yes. <laughs> not, not, no, I'm framing it the wrong way. Kurt Russell ha- does, has not had a role that is synonymous with his name. Yes, he's Jake Plissken, but that, yes. is such a, that is such a different character. For sure. Die Hard, John McClane. Yes, he's a cop, but he's an everyman cop. Yes. Lethal Weapon, uh, uh, Mel Gibson. Again, he's a cop, but throughout the four lethal weapons, they kind of civilize him. So yeah, he becomes awesome. that everyman cop, but he is a superhero cop. Oh, he is the yeah. lethal weapon. But, the but, okay, yeah. but yeah, but he's been in, that's four lethal weapon movies. That's five diehard films. Well, let's just say three at this point up until 97. Right. Kurt Russell is not in a movie where he is like that character where he's been in like three or four sequels. True. You know what I mean? Where he is a larger than life regular Joe. So I'm saying that there is no, the weight of the other roles for Willis and Gibson for me mm-hmm. would leave me, if I saw them in this, saw him in this movie would lead me to believe like, oh, he's going to, he's going to mess some shit up here. Okay, fine. Let's go. Let's go. I'm just waiting for it. Whereas in this one, I am right alongside the Jeff character with Kurt Russell. Sure. Because I feel like, oh, I could be me. You know what I mean? I could be that. If yeah. I saw Bruce Willis from Mel Gibson in that role, I would be like, no, that's not, that's not me. That's some like hyper version of something else. Listen, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I know I'm not. just I'm just saying I think it would be a more successful movie. Oh, you're saying it'll make more money? Yeah, yeah. I well, like you're arguing against something that I totally I agree with everything you're saying right now. I'm not I'm arguing. Just saying, I'm just saying I can see them in this role and the movie doing better. I'm not saying it would be a better movie. It would be a worse movie. Well, then we wouldn't be talking about it. Mm-hmm. There, there's movies. It could still be a decent movie. It just wouldn't be as good. But, we but be- it might be a movie you'd be like. I remember watching this night. It was all right. Yeah, it would be forgettable. Oh. <laughs> but it wouldn't be forgettable where I'm like, hey, we need to talk about this again. Right, but what about Dennis Quaid? Although Dennis Quaid's not a huge draw either. So. Uh, yeah, but Dennis, I could see Dennis Quaid. In I could see role, Dennis Quaid. But in Dennis it. Quaid is too. What's the word? I mean, like, I've seen him in this kind of stuff. Um, I guess Switchback isn't really like that. And he's the bad guy in Switchback, right? No, he's not the bad guy in Switchback, is he? I don't think so. Is Danny, Glover, is Danny Glover in that? I'm on it. Danny Glover, no, Danny Glover's listed first, so Dennis Quaid might be the bad I th- guy. I, I think that Danny Glover's the bad guy in that. Really? I think that I think that Mel Gibson works for the train. I might be mixing it up with the Denzel Washington train movie. Yeah, there's no Mel Gibson. What? Oh, you I mean Dennis Quaid? I mean Dennis Quaid. I'm sorry. You're right. Dennis Quaid is the good guy. Yeah. I just read the synopsis. Yeah. Because yeah. But what's the Denzel Washington movie where he's on the train? Pelham taking a Pelham. No, when he's uh, oh oh, well, I don't remember that movie was in there. Who's the there was a is Chris Pine the bad guy in that? Yes. Wow, I can't believe I remember that. I can't believe you remember that. No, wait, Chris Pine's his partner. I have no idea. Their buddies. That's not a good movie. <laughs> it's not a bad movie, but it's super forgettable. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> anyways, what were we saying? I could see Richard Gere in this role, but he's too old. Well, no, he's too old now. He just went gray early. He wasn't too old to do this role. Yeah, but I could see him in this movie. I, he he always plays someone meek, though. I feel like when he's the regular guy, he's always more like soft spoken. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He's never has he ever. He's never really been in an action movie. You can't really count the day the jackal. He's 
Well, yeah, Day of the Jackal. But that's not really. But he was more he was more the brains of the terrorist of the IRA. Yeah. He wasn't really that. yeah. And then in he's he was the bad guy in the Day of the Jackal. Bruce Willis is. No, but he was part of the IRA. Oh, right. That's right, the thing. Okay, and then yeah. uh he was Lancelot. But that's a medieval movie, so that's <laughs> yeah. completely different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I see you. I hear what you're saying. So yeah, I think that maybe that's why it was forgotten. And maybe people are looking for this kind of movie to be well, horror. And like you said, you know, this what we just talked about, like this movie dives into the horror genre. So we're doing a little something different uh this this week. Uh I think in a couple in a couple of days, right? When do we say they're gonna put them come on on Friday? Sure. I don't know. So in a couple of days, you're going to have a bonus episode. <laughs> uh, we wanted to do this movie is in it. It's almost has this genre in and of itself in terms of the road thriller movie. Yeah. And some of them dive into horror. So we're going to do a little bonus episode where we talk about maybe for like 20, 25 minutes, other movies in this in this vein uh, that, you know, kind of, you know, evoke like when we watch Breakdown, you immediately think of Duel. Uh, this Spielberg movie, which will, so we're just going to kind of go through a little bit of some of them and just kind of like, I don't know, break them down. Just, I don't know. Probably not really in reference to this movie, but just kind of talk about a few other movies that what, what makes the genre, the I genre. guess. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's what we're going to do. That'll be in a couple of days. Um, Mike, where can they find us? You can find us at forgotten cinema podcast.com or forgotten entertainment.com as we are part of the forgotten entertainment family. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Forgotten Cinema or Forgotten Cinema Pod, depending on where you go. Uh, we post things every day of the week. Uh, we're always willing and able to comment on your stuff while Mike Field is usually. Uh, but let us know what you think of the movie that we're doing or I'm willing to let comment us know. On your stuff. <laughs> or let us know what you want us to cover. You know, we might not get to it right away, but we'll definitely put it on our list to do at some point. And yeah, we post awesome commercials every Thursday. And like Field said, we're going to start doing compendium episodes. Uh, talking about different oh, stuff, yeah. wrapping interviews. We'll try to keep up with it. You know, a couple, at least for every other episode or maybe every episode. We'll try if we yeah. can come up with it. Well, it's it's a new thing, so don't hold us to it. There's always a new episode every Wednesday, but we're just not <laughs> yes. sure about the bonus ones. So, yeah, that's all I got. All right. So, and then you can join us next week. Uh, Forgotten Summer rolls on. Ooh. I believe we're, ba- you got upset because we're in the same year, I think. We're always in the same. We did not space these. Oh, out. no, we're in 1995. We're oh, two years early. We're two right. years early. We're going to be watching a movie that Mike has always wanted to see and never has. And I have. We're watching the Russell Crowe, uh, Denzel Washington movie, Virtuosity. Yes. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how Mike thinks of that. I've Every tried- time I used to watch Demolition Man, that was the trailer before uh, before the movie on the VHS. And I was like, why haven't I seen this movie? It looks cool. Russell Crowe's a bad guy. I know. I'm interested. I know. And he can turn glass into stuff. Or something. I something like that. Yeah. I, the special effects are in the trailer. All the thing bit. I remember right now is the when he's at the uh on the at the train and he's got his broken hand and he's like it's forming a new hand. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Get ready. All Get right. ready for a nineties effects. Yes. Can't wait. <laughs> All right, that's next week. Virtuosity, uh, as our forgotten summer season goes on. Hopefully in a couple of days or if whenever you listen to this, try to find our bonus episode where we talk about road thrillers and the genre that breakdown might be in. Um, that's it. I am Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. This has been Forgotten Cinema. 